saying you are tuned into Local Motion here on 91.3 WVKR, Independent Radio, Poughkeepsie, New York. I am thrilled to be having my guest Scott Petito join me in a few minutes, but for now, let's start off with a track from his upcoming record. Let's take a listen to this right here, right now. Thanks everybody for tuning in, and let's take a listen to some music by Scott Petito. 91.3 WVKR.
91.3 WVKR Independent Radio, Poughkeepsie, New York. Let's talk to Scott Petito, and he'll tell us about the track that we just heard. Let me get him on air. Scott? Yes, oh. I'm here. Oh, yay. It's always a good start when I don't disconnect somebody. So, Yeah, hey. I wondered. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I'm on a seven-second delay, but that's okay. No, I'm kidding. No, you probably, Bye. I think you probably are, knowing us. We do have that. So, listen, let me do a brief introduction to the listeners here, if I may. Award-winning composer, producer, arranger, musician, and recording engineer Scott Petito has performed and recorded with countless musicians, including James Taylor, Chick Corea, Jack DeJanette, the band Dave Brubeck, the Brubeck brothers, Keith Richard, just to name a few. He runs his studio, NRS Recording Studio in Catskill. He'll also be performing on May 2nd outside in Catskill as part of Jazz Outside. Scott will be releasing a solo record later this summer. With that, a warm, wholehearted welcome back to Local Motion, Scott Petito. Oh, it's so great to be back, Rita. Thanks, oh. for, thanks for thinking of me. Yeah, of course. How could I not? I have all these recording engineers people over the last few weeks. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to get Scott. Got to get Scott. Wouldn't be the same without you, Scott. So, yeah, you know, we have, a, we know, you know, we all have a bowling team. <laughs> I would thought you'd have like a hiking club or some sort of a kind of a no, thing. No, it's, it's, bowl, it's bowling. Is that right? Okay. Well, good. Thanks for letting the secret out. That's awesome. Um, tell me what we just heard. Tell me about Dabwala. Okay, Dabwala is a song from my new, I call it the COVID record at the moment, but that won't be its final title. But <laughs> basically I made it and wrote it and, and wrote, uh, wrote and uh, recorded all the songs during COVID. So most of it has been done in pieces um, with uh, flying, you know, parts in from all over the world. Actually, Anna Maria Jopak is an amazing Polish singer, superstar in Poland, actually, an old friend of mine. And done a few records with her so she's singing on there steve gad's playing drums that's just crazy you just like email yeah. steve gad hey you want to be on my album sure yeah no problem yeah. okay well you know actually i have a history with steve we, i i grew up and spent time when i was a, when i was very young watching him and mike Maneri and a bunch of guys in woodstock um rehearse um so we, we have a very long history uh but so but he's a gracious and incredible person uh, and Bob Minzer's on there playing, uh, he's playing Iwi on this, but he's a saxophonist for the group, the Yellow Jackets, and one of the best saxophone players in the world, really. Uh, let's see, who else is on it? Bashiri Johnson's doing some percussion. I'm playing bass and piccolo bass. Uh, Ra- Rachel oh, Z? Rachel Z's playing piano. Right. So right. I'm glad you, you're, you're following along. Well, you know, you, you, yeah, you know, when you sent me the details, I'm like, wow, look at this. And I loved how you sent it all like that because that's the way you got to do it. So when, yeah. when is this album coming out? Um, we're hoping to have it out late summer at mm-hmm. the moment mm-hmm. um, in time for, you know, the, the holiday shopping season. You have, you have to be a few months ahead with all of that. Yeah, you do. Um, so, so yeah, it's going to be good. And I, and I've, uh, I've had to, to limit myself both in the scope of the, the length of the songs, but also the album length, because I want to do, um, um, audiophile vinyl for this one. Nice. And, um, you're printing and, CDs you know, put in a bunch of different, we're, we'll have CDs as well, but you know, the, the the, tr- the handwriting's on the wall. The CDs stop are leaving our leaving no. our world. Here. No, I'm in denial. Uh, I still don't do downloads. Yeah. 
I know. It's I hard know. to find people who even have a CD player in their car anymore. I know. Stop. Yeah. I know. I can't stand it. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm resisting that change like you have no idea how much I'm resisting that. But yeah, okay. So Yeah, it's, it's amazing. So yeah. let's step back a little bit. Last time, yeah. I, I always love, you know, the history and how you got into music. You are from the Hudson Valley, born and raised here, yes? I am. You are. When? Up, when what was your first Kingston. instrument? Uh, guitar, you know, mm-hmm. I like seeing other people. I saw the Beatles on TV. Well, actually, I'm not even sure I saw the Beatles on TV. I think I did because I was so young at the time. But I certainly was influenced by them a, a few years after that, if not right at the time they appeared on Ed Sullivan. Mm-hmm. Um, picked up the guitar um, and really never put it down uh, until I was in a band in high school and they needed a bass player. So, What was the name of the band? Oh, oh Fred's Body. I love it. I love high school bands' names. So yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. In fact, we keep we keep claiming we're going to have a reunion because most of my friends are still here in the Hudson Valley. Well, guitarist now lives in Vermont, but we, we one of these days we are going to have a Fred's Body reunion. I love it. So yeah, you'll be right up front. I'm going to make sure you're sitting. Right I love up. it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yep. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. So guitar in high what were you listening to besides the Beatles in high school? The regular, I think you and I are probably close to the same age, like the Led Zeppelin, the rock kind of stuff, or what were you listening yeah, to? Yeah, all of that. I mean, you know, by, but actually by the time I got to high school, I was already starting to lean towards jazz. I, 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 uh, I would say my late, uh, grade school, I mean, I went to Catholic school, so our high school starts at grade nine, so yep. somewhere around the eighth grade. I, I I had my second epiphany, uh, which after the Beatles was the Mahavishnu Orchestra, which is John McLaughlin's group, and that kind of set me off on another path. And in a way, they were even more my Beatles than the Beatles were because um, they they led me to other, you know, uh, electronic jazz and experimental music, but also to traditional jazz, John Coltrane, mm. Miles Davis. <laughs> So and that's and then eventually I wound up going to Berkeley and I and getting a degree in jazz composition and arranging. So I spent a lot of time in the jazz world. Did you on. take lessons when you were in high school? I was I no I was self taught. Wow, I was self-taught all the way through. And in fact, the year before I went to Berkeley, I, I've got to remember back in those days you couldn't be a guitarist or at that point I was mostly an electric bassist. I did play some upright, but it wasn't my first instrument for sure. Um, guitarists weren't allowed in music schools. Really, there were only about three schools in, in America that had a program for guitar. Really? You know, there were there was a couple of classical guitar programs, but for the most part, there was no such thing as a jazz program. So there was Berkeley, the University of Miami, uh, North Texas State, uh, those three for sure. There might have been a couple of others, but a lot of great people came out of them. You know, Pat Metheny and Jocko and all these people came out of the University of Miami, Mark Egan, North Texas State has some amazing arrangers and other um, Lau Mays. Um, so, so a lot of very influential jazz musicians and instrumentalists um, came out of out of those schools, and obviously Berkeley. Right. Um, and still, you still, studied yeah. composition and arranging at Berkeley, not like yeah, yeah. No. I was a ba- I mean, I was a bass player too, obviously, and I, and and being a bass player at Berkeley was really good for me because had I gone in as a guitarist, we had a, when I was there, the student population was about. Uh, 1,500 guitarists and 200 bass players. There you go. So I immediately got the, the thrown into the fan, so to speak, um, mm-hmm. 
um, I, I had to, you know, get in with people who are way beyond my ability to play and, and hopefully keep up with them. Whereas had I been playing the guitar, it, you know, you, there was a longer road to climb. Right, um, right, right. But, uh, but still, you know, I, I'm, I'm one of the people who, who appreciates and still loves my, my Berkeley experience. And I, I still have friends there who teach and, and, uh, Were and you playing out in the, in the, in the clubs there? Uh, a bit when I got a when I, after a year or so of being there, I, I I started doing more local playing and more studio work, and that's how I got into the studios. I was just going to go there I, with you, yeah. Yeah, I, I I got some some gigs doing jingles and the like around town, and you know whatever whatever somebody needed recorded, um, and and I found that I was more interested in what was going on behind on the other side of the glass than I was on my side because for the most part. Bass players often don't see, see a lot of interesting music to read on a session. It's a lot of chord changes, maybe one or two little lines. So you're, you, while everybody else is struggling with what they're doing, you're sort of like, okay, I'm, I'm good. Let's just see what else is going on. So I'm watching everybody else work, and, um, and that's what kind of got me interested in, in, in the production side, in the recording side, and, uh, and integrating the two. Um, and, and, and watching, and most of the sessions I was lucky because usually uh, the conductor or the producer of the session was also a really excellent musician. So that right away became like a criteria for me. It's like, oh yeah, you're a really good musician, you should be able to do this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, that was not the norm at the time. There were really very defined lines uh, between the engineer, who may or may not have been a musician, and the, uh, the, the musical people out in the room. Mm -hmm. who are recording. Um, and so that, you know, this has become really uh, something since the home studio era where the the players are as adept at recording as as the engineers of the past might have been. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, so that, yeah, that's how I wound up there. Oh, with with that, that caveat, I, I still have immense re respect for the older engineers, Al Schmidt and all these guys who, who are... They they knew how to make records, and there's a magic to what they did and still do, the ones who were with us, that uh, very few of us who are doing this today actually can do. Mm -hmm. um, and, it, and it just has to do to a, it has to do with a lineage and understanding of a lot of a lot of things that that came before and after. But but yeah, I mean, there's people making wonderful music now. In fact, it's never been easier to make a record. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, guys, it must have been harder back then, right? With Way harder. Yeah. Way harder. Just, not just because of the, the equipment they used, but all, all sorts of things. I mean, many times they had to build their own. If they needed something, they had to build it. Mm. Um, you know, I need a compressor. Then I got to build it. I got to figure out how it works. So there was a lot more science and engineering from that perspective in engineering, which is really where the term came from. I, I rarely call myself an engineer. I'm, I'm a sound mixer, a recordist. Uh, engineer kind of implies a very different thing in my mind. Mm -hmm. but, uh, mm -hmm. but yeah, it's whatever, whatever works. I'm, I'm good with it. Yeah. And after Berkeley, is that when you became mm -hmm. part of the Fugs? Not very long after, actually, strangely enough, which is the that was graduate school for you. Other direction as you could go. <laughs> well, the interesting thing was, I grew up loving loving Frank Zappa, and my cousins had turned me on to the Fugs when I was very, very young. In fact, they actually scared me showing me the cover of the first <laughs> Fugs album. So, uh, so I never, and I never forgot it. Sort of emblazoned in my mind, and I think of Allen Ginsberg being there and in, in the in the 
photos with them and, and just an amazing, amazing thing. And then all of a sudden to be playing with them. How'd you get uh, the gig? Yeah, and to well, strangely enough, I got it through through Robbie Dupree. Really? Yeah, yeah. He he was a good friend of Ed Sanders, and I came back from Berkeley, and they needed a bass player because they were going to reform the band, and this was like 1984 um, to do some shows and also to start writing a, an opera called Star Piece. It was sort of a counter counter to to Ronald Reagan's Star Wars. Uh-huh. So that's what we wound up doing. Um, and and I, I sent them whatever I had. And I remember playing Bach cello suites uh, <laughs> with a fuzz pedal and things <laughs> like that. And, and going, well, maybe they'll like this. And the next thing I know, we're making a record. And I think we made that first record in like four days. Wow. The band just really gelled. And now we're like one of the oldest rock bands in the history of rock music. Yeah. You know? What do you got going on? Any, any gigs going to come up for the Fugs? Well, we... You know, we just before the pandemic, we had done some shows at Joe's Pub, and we were talking about going to Europe and Japan. Um, then the pandemic hit. We were in the process of getting ready to um, to do a new record, our Fugs final album, Volume Three. Um, we've already done two final albums. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, which, if you knew us, which if you knew us, makes total sense. Um, so we, we, you know, we, uh, we will get back on the trail, but Ed is up there and Thule left us a few years ago. So it's mostly the younger guys who, you know, we're, we're, we're up there. So, right. um, so anyway, yeah, it, it, we will do more. I don't think we can, you can kill this band. So no, 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 I think not, yeah. man. I watched some of those videos, Scott, on YouTube, the greatest uh-huh. videos I may have ever seen of a band. Oh my God. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, the, the early ones are, are really pretty amazing. There's more of those up on YouTube. Ed seems to have more control over the new stuff that that he's uh, he's saving for his papers at Stanford University. Or something. <laughs> you know, turns everything over. Right, right, but right. It, it was a great experience, and it led me down a path with poets and, and artists I never would have otherwise worked with, like Allen Ginsberg and William Burroughs and Gregory Corso, who all loved and, and, and also performed musically in their in their poetry. Um, so that was really great. And, and all the other people, like even Patti Smith is another one. It was very, you know, it's a, it, I would call them friends of the band, basically. Uh, Philip Glass, you know, just a real cross-section of the the culture of particularly the Lower East Side of New York. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it's pretty did, great. Did pretty you great. ever live in the city or did after Berkeley, did for, you come back to the Hudson Valley? I, I did go to the city for a very brief period of time. The early 80s after I left Berkeley were not the best years to be in New York. Right. Um, it was filthy. Uh, there were cabaret laws, all kinds of things. So there was more happening upstate, believe it or not, because we had Bearsville Studios. We had a number of people living in this area who um, were working and were national touring acts. So it just made sort of sense to go home and reassess. And once I did, I realized, well, you know, this is not a bad place to make music. Right. And or certainly be a, a great home base. And, and it still is to many, many musicians. Oh, know. and more coming all the time. All, um, all the time. All, all the time. time. Talk to me about the start of NRS. All right. Well, NRS doesn't mean anything anymore. Nasty right side sibilance, not really a studio. You can you pretty make up make up whatever words you want. Um, but it was partners I had in the in the mid to late eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, a woman named Robin um, 
uh, who, who her name spelled backwards was Nibor, so it was technically Nibor Recording Studio. Ah. And uh, but uh, but we never really called it that, so we called it NRS. And by the time I took over, I'd already made about four hundred albums. Four hundred. I want to change it. I want to change the name, but I, I don't know. I, you know, it's on so many records now, and uh, I should just leave it. But uh, in the back of my mind, I actually call it Pet Sounds. So, ah. um, you know, so I, uh, yeah, yeah. Ah, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah, because I think there's like I think I've done. Um, I, I know it's over twelve hundred now. I kind of lost count after we hit hit over a thousand. Twelve hundred albums somewhere. recorded at your yeah. studio. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah, pretty much, and 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 not always every bit of the record, but but especially in recent years, we've had more of that. But but early on, yeah, I was I was really cranking, and I still Jesus. do. Do you have like the pandemic? Do you have like a book when the, when these musicians come in that they all sign it? Like, we do. We you, have a birthday book. Yeah. Yeah. So they find their they find their birthday, and then they sign the page. And it's kind of amazing when somebody comes in and there and and the book is a, it has the birthdays of musicians in it, and there are several people in this book whose names are printed on those pages. No, so they're way. already in the book, and then they sign next to it, and so. they autograph it right there for you. Oh, yeah, man. you know, Beth actually started that, so that was a great idea for that she had, and uh, we still we, we we forget to pull it out every time. We go, oh, the birthday book, shoot! Yeah, but, but luckily enough, people come around that they, we usually grab them at some point. Do you remember uh, the first uh, session you 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 oversaw? Um, y- yeah, I mean, early on, actually, well, one of the first ones was actually with John Hall. Believe it or not, uh-huh. John wanted to do demos at that time. There were demos for. What would what would have been the first John Hall band album, mm-hmm. and um, I'm sure he doesn't even well he might remember, but I, I, I doubt it. It was it was it was a big deal for me because those guys were very influential on me in Orleans, and Orleans had just broken up around this time. I had a smaller studio set up um, and was just changing over to the larger format. We were kind of like the first studio that wasn't a mega studio to go with a 24 track, a two inch machine, the whole bit. So, so it was kind of an, I'm, I'm sort of in a way, one of the original kind of project studio people mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So this was the beginnings of that. So John was the first and he, he actually played all, I think all the instruments on that particular project. Um, and then that became the precursor for when they went in to do the, the full album. So that, that was great. I learned a lot. He's he's he was a master studio musician himself. So you know, I, I've learned from everybody, but but he, he's he's certainly one of the greats. Yeah, and and, and uh, you're known. I mean, I know you as um, you know jazz heavily, heavily recording jazz musicians. But is was that always the case with you, or or no? Did, no. No, no. In fact, after after the after I left Berkeley, I kind of moved away from jazz. I played in a few jazz ensembles for a while, some fusion mostly because that was you know I was an electric bassist, so there was more going on in that world. Some funk, you know, Herbie Hancock, Chick Corea kind of things. 
But um, my jazz world sort of slipped back around after I after the whole singer songwriter movement, which that's when I was working with Livingston Taylor and James Taylor and Kate Taylor and every other Taylor you could possibly <laughs> think of, um, and 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 the offshoots thereof, and Pete Seeger, and then the v- very deep into the, the really hardcore blues musicians like Taj Mahal. Um, then the band was always an omnipresent um, in my life because we were always working with someone in the band. Right, right. And at one point, my right. studio was set up in two locations, one in, in, in Hurley and one at Levon's. Wow. Um, and in fact, I was getting kind of crazy with it, and that's when I decided to build the studio I have here. Um, and, and that was about when Rick Danko passed away. I finally said, okay, I'm, I think I'm done with the barn, and I'm, I'm ready to come back over here but that was a great experience too i mean it was crazy you know those those were those were really nutty real rock and roll days yeah oh i bet um, i bet there's a book you can write just about that is that when you had a um uh, work with keith richards when he had his time at the barn yeah we had keith um come um lots of lots of guests came uh, at one point, you know, Bruce Hornsby had come up, um, uh, let's see, uh, uh, Los Lobos. Most people wanted to try and work with the band, writing songs and material. Um, it wasn't always easy because the guys, you know, they were kind of scattered all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, love, I love them all, but, you know, it was, it was not always an easy time. And a lot of it was waiting, just waiting. Right. Let's wait and see what happens. Right. Um, but, but some great stuff came out. Of, of of those years, and in fact, some of the comp, some of the the, um, the 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 gigs where you know a guest artist would come in, or they would hire members of the band like the Hollies or somebody like that. Those are some of the, the really great sessions, or the Keith session, which was with Scotty Moore and and DJ Fontana from Elvis band. Wow! So and the stories there were insane because Scotty was telling stories about Elvis, you know, on top of his Cadillac in the in the car lot, you know, telling jokes when he was completely an un- unknown, you know, at at gigs, you right. know, and they, that they played the car lots on Sunday afternoon. So wow. yeah, those stories are priceless, and and they and they flow off of them, and yeah, it's 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 crazy. It is crazy. But, wow, uh, wow. Yeah. And then the jazz started with you. I I would be remiss not to say, um, if you would talk a few minutes about Chick Corea. Yeah. Well, yeah, I you know Chick's always been a an idol of mine. Um, I first met him in 1979. I was quite young. I think I might have been my first year at Berkeley and. I came back home and there was uh, the creative music studio, which was Carl Berger's yep. uh, school yep. here in Woodstock, was was really hopping at the time. And, and, and they had a great concert. Um, and one of the headliners was Chick, Jack Ishanet, Miroslav Vitus, Anthony Braxton, and Pat Metheny. Man, jeez. Yeah, it was, it was pretty phenomenal. In fact, it's kind of an iconic concert. That some of the bits and pieces are out on the Internet. Um, and I went backstage because I knew Jack at the time because I met him when I was quite young as well. Um, but um, Chick was coming off stage, and I went, I got to say hello. I just got to meet Chick Corea. You know, he's, he's an idol. And and Chick immediately just, like, he, he, he greeted me as if he'd known me for 10 years. Mm. And he immediately started talking about Bartok and saying, man, you got to get into the Bartok string quartets. I didn't even, yeah, I'm just saying, basically, hi there. How, how are you doing? <laughs> and, and he's like, he's off on a tangent about, you know, what he's been working on and where, what he's excited about. And that 
really stayed with me for years. And then when I met Chick again, well, we, we started, we worked together on a project, and then I actually wound up doing three different projects with him. Uh, the first one was the Roy Haynes project that Doug Ewell had set up, and um, that was fantastic. And and um, but the the thing I, I I really love about Chick was his joy of playing, and the only other person I knew who had similar joy was was Dave Brubeck, who I also worked with, yeah, and still do actually. Uh, even even though he's gone, I'm working on his uh, you know uh, archival music, right, right. But, Chick and, Chick and Dave had this joy of music that, like, they would be listening to playbacks, and it was as if they were listening to something that they had they never heard before. Mm. And it was like, wow, oh, wow, you know, and then it was just really, really connected in a way that was, uh, you know, to me, I go, wow, this is how we should be as musicians. Mm-hmm. We should have this almost childlike joyfulness about the music we're hearing and playing. Um, so that's really the the greatest thing to me with Chick, I mean, you know, you can say millions of things about what he did and his innovations and everything else, but to to experience that joy and that um, level of uh, of skill com- combined together um, with no no lack of communication. He just his whole thing is just being able to communicate with people through his music. Right. Uh, that, that's priceless stuff. You know, you just, you can't learn that in school. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So, oh man. Well, you are so lucky to have met him and worked with him and, oh, what a, what yeah, a... And, and I feel, I feel fortunate because a lot of these guys, you know, they, for whatever reason, they recognize that, okay, the kid's got something going on or something. And, and they, they, they sort of, they bounce things off of me and we work together and it's like, wow, you know, I, I sometimes I'll go home and I go, wow, they really valued my opinion on mm-hmm. that. Or, and, mm-hmm. and it's not about ego or anything, but it's like, well, you know, that really makes you feel like, okay, all that work you put in is, is paying off. It's paying off. Yeah. 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 And you have a very oh. long rep, uh, relationship with Jack DeJanette as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Back, yeah. It goes back for years because uh, you know, I since I grew up around here, I met him early and also through the Creative Music Studio, um, and uh, and of course, you know, the, everybody's interconnected. And Dave Holland, the bass bassist, you know, I've I've had I've had about two thirds of Miles Davis's Bitches Brew mm. band in in the studio mm. in the last you know five or six years alone. Wow. Um, Lenny White's been here. I mean, it's oh. kind of amazing. I go. Except for if Miles was here, we could have. We I saw have. Lenny White play with um, um, uh, Pete Levin and and his group yeah. Jump that yeah. release. I think you probably recorded that up yeah, there. My I, mouth freaking dropped. He was at Rosendale Cafe, and yeah. I don't think I'd ever heard a drummer like him before. I was just like, um, "Who is this guy?" He was. Again, he's he's one of the greats. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. I'm very lucky with drummers. Uh, I mean, my new record is. Like I said, Steve Gadd has Omar Hakim, uh, Peter Erskine, who's another old friend and dear friend, who's 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 uh, just one of the great players, um, and Simon Phillips, another old friend of mine, yep. and, and we've we've actually done some shows together. Oh, I remember years. a show you guys so, did at Bearsville Theater years ago. Yeah, back. I wish we could have done more of those around here, but we never really got too many of them together, which was unfortunate. That was was good. Now, let's also talk about what you do here in the Hudson Valley. You come up with these killer tribute shows. Um, You got anything in the works there? 
We do. Um, in fact, I just confirmed this afternoon that we'll be at the Bearsville Theater on on um, July 9th and 10th because we're waiting to see. Maybe we'll have a little more of an influx of of people allowed in the building. Uh, right now, it's, I think it's set at 100, and we'll be doing the complete Let It Be. Oh my um, God! Yeah, <sighs> we've done we've done the White Album in its entirety, and we've done Abbey Road. Um, Let It Be is actually a little easier in some ways, but it, it's a great record, and and it, it's a good timing time for it because Peter Jackson has has reworked all of the footage from the original Let It Be movie, of which they apparently had many, many, many hours uh, of footage, and uh, they're 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 releasing a major motion picture Let It Be, but I think they're I think they're retitling it Get Back because those that was the name of those original sessions. Right. And the idea was the Beatles wanted to get back to the way they made records in the old days and just, you know, sat around and played them down and sang and did the whole bit. And they weren't overproduced, which is strange because they brought in Phil Spector, who overproduced the, the crap out of it. Right, crap, right, crap right. <laughs> no, no, that's a good one. Um, so who's, okay, playing, right. <laughs> who's playing with you at on July 9th and 10th? Uh, well, that will be... Um, for sure, um, Jeff Marcel, who also was in Mercury Rev and has done our other Beatles shows with us, Danny Bloom, who you know from, from it, Radio Land, yeah, among yeah. other places, um, uh, Tyler Wood, who's a wonderful keyboardist and and also another engineer. You should probably put on your show one of these days, um, and and producer. Uh, a let's see who else? Oh, Joey Eppert, of course. Yeah, um, Adam Widoff, myself, and we have a special guest. But we were I, before I. Say that I want to confirm. Confirm a hundred percent. Yeah, they are they are in, but it's gonna it's gonna be good. So it's a little more stripped down band, but it's a strip more stripped down album. Yeah, yeah. And we'll also we'll add some other other uh, other things and in, um, in as well. Oh. Um, if I can convince them, I'll, I want to do. Um, you know, I, I, it's been my life's ambition to play. Um, you know, my name. Look up the numbers. So I've just got to convince everybody else to do it. So. Oh man, we'll see. We'll see oh. if it happens. Good stuff. Those yeah. those tribute shows you have put on in the past are just uh, gorgeous. Well, they're, oh, they're... I never I never called them tributes because what it, to me you know it's it's interesting because I've spent most of my life and actually most of the guys who and and and, and women who have done this with us because we've done Joni and we've done yeah done uh, you know number of things. I, I do traffic as well. We'll be actually we'll be at the Falcon doing uh, Paper Sun, which is our traffic show in June. Nice. But I don't I don't have all the info for that. But anyway, the but I I didn't think of them as tributes originally. I just thought like oh wow you know I really want to get into these albums and like d- just re re um, revisit them. Cover them. Yeah. Yeah. And and the the thing is is once you do that you realize it is a little bit like Beethoven or or Mozart or Bach in that. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to kind of play these. You yeah. got to kind of. You can bring your personality to it, but these parts, you really got to do them. So that's really been it. It's just the dedication of everyone to really do the best job at at presenting the music as it was. In in, but 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 not be a copy. We still we still try and be who we are. Yeah, exactly. Make um, it your own. But um, yeah, so, yeah. 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 Well, you've seen them, so you know you you know what I mean. But oh. yeah, the idea we're never going to dress up like the Beatles or anything like oh, that. Oh, come on, no, Scott! Really. Come on. Well we, well, we might. We might. Okay. All right. If there's a possibility of hope there with that yeah. one, yeah. Um, and the yeah. first show that I know of that you have is coming up May second, Sunday, May second yeah. in Catskill from two to five. Tell us. 
All right, that is my friend Tom Bellino is putting on a mini jazz fest at the BD Powers home, which is an incredibly, just an incredible house that overlooks the the Hudson River right by the Rip Van Winkle Bridge. I often go there. I live in Catskill, so I often go there in the morning and have my coffee, and you'll see my pictures on Instagram of the sun coming up and everything. It's it's really beautiful. So it'll be outside in the tent. Um, There's two bands i'll be there with rachel with rachel my great friend and and just one of the best musicians in the world rachel z um uh jay collins is going to be playing sax with us yep. uh, ben porowski and myself and then there's a sextet that if i if i start naming everybody i'm going to forget people i'm going to feel bad so. no you're not I can, all, I can, i've got sex. them all written down as well all right good so okay. G- gary <laughs> yeah somalian yep yep and <laughs> ralph our turn sax yeah, Ralph Lamar, La, 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 right? Yes, La, La, La. He, He's one of the guys I don't know as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Benedict is the drummer. Uh, got John Menigan's playing bass. bass. Mike, Mike D'Amico, of course. Yep. yep. You know, I, Mike and I went to Berkeley together. I don't know if you know oh, that. Oh, I did I not know that. Yeah, we lived together. Now, there, there's, a, there's some stories someday. Oh, come on. I want to hear. Give me something here. That's awesome. No, 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 no I have to clear them with Mike first. <laughs> Oh my gosh! I recently had a Chuck Lamb on Mike D'Amico. Yeah. I still have not had yeah. on the show. He's like, oh, I don't are know you, if I've done enough. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Come on, Mike D'Amico. I gotta have him on the show. Well, oh. Chuck, Mike and I both also played in Chuck's original original fusion band called Dry Jack, which I did right after the, I got out of Berkeley and before right before the Fugs. Oh, uh, man, we had some really great great uh, records and stuff and and wonderful players so yeah so we have we have have a little bit of a history oh i did not know that you and mike roomies at berkeley man that's that's really 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 cool um so yeah great stuff that you have coming up scott you are also of course on facebook scott petito productions.com when i said when i first started the show i mentioned a few you know a handful of people I literally could talk to you for an hour and I don't think we will have mentioned every musician you've played with. So if listeners are interested, I highly recommend you go check out the website, scottpetitoproductions.com. How's this past year been? It seems like people in your field, at least the last three weeks, have been extremely busy. Um, I never really didn't, I I never really wasn't busy because I, I do a lot of when I'm not doing anything that's completely live, I do a lot of mixing for bands all over. So I started out mixing a, a live jazz album, and then I went right into the, the Dave Brubeck um, alternate timeout mm. record, which was a lot of work and a lot of archaeology and involved the, the Sony vault, which did shut down on us. When that, that was kind of complex. But And then, and then I also... Um, Matt wound up mixing bands from um, the, uh, let's see, uh, Arge- a couple of ba- a couple of records from Argentina. I'm, I have a singer songwriter in Italy that I'm still working with. That so you know the over and we managed to get two film scores in somehow. I don't know, but uh, but I, but but for the most part, you know, we've been really careful and we have had some people in. But for most of the year, I've I've had projects that have been um, you know sustaining us and. Uh-huh. and trying to keep people working and 
right. best we can. The best we can. Yeah, Joe Joe Lewis Walker. We finished the new record. Oh, with I I had uh, probably one of the best, most. I I don't know yeah. the man, and we yeah. I had him on my show. Oh, yeah. It was so easy to talk to him. I feel like yeah. he wasn't a longtime friend. That's how nice I had such a good time. I I look forward to seeing him play soon at the Falcon. Um, yeah, yeah, he's got some new music out too well, with you. Yeah, and we we tracked most of it, but he still had some vocals to do. And we had some guitar overdubs and other things, and 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 um, so you know we had to finish it up. So we did when when things were safe and we were feeling good about it. Um, Laura Hope was really probably the last band band I had in right before we locked down. She just mailed um, me played. the CD. How cool yeah, is I that heard, CD? Heard uh, oh, say yeah. Huh. Say again, I'm sorry. The CD, the cover is like so cool. You see why I'm old oh, school, Scott? Yeah. Like if I saw this thing on a download, I wouldn't know anything about it. And I know it was recorded at your place. Why? Because it says so on the inside cover, you know? And of course she had posted about it as well. Um, but just what a fun CD. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. And, and her drummer, uh, Jeremy, and his partner, Mike, have a group called Blue Museum, who I've been working with now for a few months. Also, you know, we're all masked and socially distanced, but we tracked a rather complex um, kind of alternative rock record that I'm hoping to have mixed and ready by also sometime probably midsummer or so. We'll we'll be ready to put that out. Um, they they probably know more about that schedule than I do at the moment, but right. really great and. Um, and then a lot of things with Larry Grenadier, the great bassist from oh. town, and with different people that, you know, Rebe- Rebecca Martin. and They're fantastic, um, the two of them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're fantastic. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, you know, we, we not to skirt anything, we, we tried to be really safe, especially during the summer months, and we were, we were more active. And then when it got a little bit dicier, we had to be inside. We did more things remotely or one at a time or yeah. however. We, we just did whatever we had to do. Right, right. Was, whatever you have to do to keep it safe. Yeah, and everybody else is doing the same thing, really. Right, right. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's all you can yeah. do. Um, I want to play some of your music. I'm going to sure. formally invite you back as soon as you release your um, solo work um, so we can sure. play more of that and then talk yep. again later this year because we haven't even scratched the surface um, of, of a lot of things. But I look forward to your upcoming shows at Bearsville and the Falcon and Scott Petito. You are, we're so lucky to have you here in the Hudson Valley. Thank you for gifting the world with, with your talents and your beautiful music. And you are one hell of a bass player. We haven't even talked about your musicianship and all those beautiful bases you own and um geez man man no you got a good thing going on scott i wish you the continued success good health love to leslie a big hello of course to beth who is your assistant in the studio you know you can't do it without her so um yeah yeah absolutely so thank you thank you rita i appreciate it yeah no problem it's always a pleasure it's so much fun talking to you next time next time you have all four of us on at once Oh, my God. Could you imagine? Hey, you guys could all figure it out. As long as you guys get on one phone line together and then call me, I could do yeah. it. So, Well, you remember when, when Jerry and I were on, we took over the show. You were just... You just 
I just kind of sat back, and that was in person. I I think I I I almost peed my pants. I laughed so hard with the two of you. It was a riot, a riot having you guys on. So yeah, no, I'd love to do that with the four of you, and just kind of I don't even think I'd have to say much and just let you guys go at it because um, what's a, what a great idea. Let's plan that. Yeah. Now I just have to get the four of you on one day schedule. Imagine that. Yeah. Oh, that'll be interesting. Yeah, exactly. So I'm going to play some of your music, and right. I'm going to say thank you for your time. And folks, scottpetitoproductions.com, I will talk with you soon. And Scott, I do hope to see you soon. Yeah, you will. All right, awesome. Yeah, thank you, Scott. Bye. Take care. Be safe. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, you are tuned into Local Motion here on 91.3 WVKR. I'm your host, Rita Ryan. Just spent some great time talking with Scott Petito of NRS Recording Studios. Let's take a listen to this. This is the alternate take five. Dave Brubeck Quartet, all recorded at Scott's studio. Let's take a listen. 91.3 WVKR. Thank you. 
91.3 WVKR, Independent Radio, Poughkeepsie, New York. I forgot to tell Scott this story, but what we just heard was the alternate take five from the Dave Brubeck Quartet, the restoration, editing, and mixing by my guest today, Scott Petito, from the original 1959 Masters. And this is a previously unheard version of the song that led the first million-selling jazz record. Wow. Thank you for sending that, Scott. And what I didn't tell you is I got turned on to jazz in my 20s. And unbeknownst to me, I wound up going to the Bardavon in Poughkeepsie. And I saw my first jazz concert and it blew me away. And it was Dave Brubeck. So great memories there. That was that was some really good stuff. I, I meant to mention that to Scott, but I didn't. And maybe he's listening, maybe he's not. But I thank Scott Petito for his time today. Check out his web- website, scottpetitoproductions.com. Also, Facebook, Scott Petito, recording engineer extraordinaire has worked. He like he said, did 1,200 albums thus far, and it's not over yet. If you missed part of this interview with Scott, it is recorded and will upload it later on the Local Motion Rita Ryan Facebook Facebook page as well as YouTube. And it's a podcast. If you do streaming, you can follow Local Motion on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you may get your podcasts. So I'm going to go out with a couple more tracks of Scott's that he sent me. This last one is from The Fugs. And um, check them out if you haven't already. The Fugs on YouTube. What a group. And next week's guest will be the owner of Colony in Woodstock, Neil Howard. And in two weeks, I'll be joined by the drummer from The Spin Doctors, Aaron Comis. And in three weeks, Pete Levin will be back on the show. So lots of great things happening. And uh, thanks, everybody, so much for tuning in. So much fun. So much fun talking with Scott. It always is. Support live music. Enjoy live music. It's coming back. And check out live streams and uh, concerts are coming back slowly but surely. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. I will be back next Wednesday, which is the typical time slot here from 4 to 6 p.m. And again, give us a like on Facebook under Local Motion and please follow on YouTube under Local Motion as well. Let's take a listen to a track by The Fugs. This is titled Be Free. And here we t- here we go. Until next week, I wish you all peace. Let's go Hold on to your brothers and your sisters We're 
independent for 40 years. This is WVKR FM Poughkeepsie, 91.3 FM and on the web at WVKR.org. <laughs> 